This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Ingle Company Summer Series, a set of conversations where we are chatting to some of Australia's most relatable voices for their take on taboo money topics. Over eight weeks, we will be asking the money questions that may have recently been on your mind, but you haven't had the confidence to bring them up. Questions like, why am I putting so much pressure on myself financially right now? Or how do I tell my friends that sometimes I just can't keep up socially? We know firsthand that talking about money can be oh so awkward. And we want to acknowledge right off the top that there is a huge amount of privilege inherent in all of these conversations we'll be having. But we do think that the more open we are about money and the more perspectives we can gather, the better off our overall financial well-being will be. So, welcome to our Taboo Money Conversation series. I am Maddie Guest, and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie Dicker. We hope that this episode gives you a catalyst to start your very own money chat. This series is brought to you by UP. As upsiders ourselves, we are super excited to be working with a brand that is aligned with our purpose of helping young people tackle their finances. UP is the first digital bank which is making money easy for our generation by giving us the tools to get our finances sorted and get what we want in life. And what I want right now is to chat about how much it costs to have a baby with Rachel. Rachel Maximovic is a marketing expert, a single mum and co-host of the Mothering on My Own podcast, which unexpectedly has quickly become one of my favourite podcasts. Rach, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Thank you for having me. We're just laughing because we've had a bit of a shambles that you've been involved in. We need to give the context to how we've gotten to where we're sitting right now. We've pretty much rocked up to a studio where we were meant to record. And well, hold a- on. Let's just even, we're flow down from Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> to record this episode today because Rachel, you're Melbourne based. Yep. And they've rocked up to a studio and there's no <laughs> recording equipment in it because usually there is and it's our fault we probably should have checked. But there was no recording equipment. So we've had to text the lovely girls at Shameless and we're now sitting in the Shameless studio to talk about money with Rachel. And we've made you drive all around Melbourne. Yeah. And you said, I'm so sorry. You're like a single mum. We put you through this. And I'm like, we're used to chaos. We can adapt. We're good. It's all good. You're thriving. I love it. Well, Rach, I guess maybe to set the scene for people who don't know you, we've given a bit of background um, as a part of our intro, but would you mind maybe sharing your story? Goodness me. It was actually a bit nostalgic walking through the city because I was working full-time in the city for a tech startup and obviously in the startup space, things move really quickly. My role really moved really quickly and I was generating a bit of money for them and I just started going like, hang on a minute, I could probably do this for myself. I think one of my values probably always has been freedom and freedom to be able to go where I want and do where I want when I want. And obviously when you're working for someone else, that probably doesn't align all the time. So I made the choice to quit my job. I do do things on the fly pretty often. I knew I had a month where I could like survive financially until I'd have to hustle hard and get another job. So in the end, I was really lucky and started a business in digital marketing was really lucky to have connections from the get-go. And so within a couple of months, I had built up my income to match my previous job. Wow. 
And from there, my always dream was to work in Bali and live in Bali for a bit. The dream. Like the Uluwatu, dream. I was going to say, you went recently and you came home and you're like, I met all these people who are working yeah. there and they're living this amazing life. I know. Well, I was like, yeah. when I saw anyone with a laptop, I'm like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's, there was, that was the thing. I And I knew that was there. It is the hub for entrepreneurs, dreamers, cool people doing cool stuff from around the world that is very interesting. So I did that. I hopped over there and, yeah, thought I'm going to make this a real go of it. I'm going to be around all these cool people to cut the story as short as I can. I did love it. What's really curious is it actually got quite boring for me in the end. Wow. I think there is this idea that the dream life is And it sounds funny saying it out loud. I woke up and surfed for three hours every morning. I had breakfast, lunch and dinner with friends out. I had a cleaner. I had, That's the dream. The cleaner. But I did get to a point where I felt like there was no more growth there. Mm. It was like very hard to visualise what was next and where I could go next. It felt like... It sounds crazy because I've experienced Groundhog Day as a mother, but I was also experiencing a version of that there. So I'm so glad I did that before having kids. I think I would have really kicked myself if I'd never done that experience prior to having children. And um, yeah, during that time I had met someone and found myself pregnant unexpectedly. And then now I'm here. I am a solo (laughs) mum. Well, we're going to talk about today, like the cost of having a baby, because I think it's, I mean, it's a taboo. To- it's not necessarily like, I wouldn't classify it as taboo, but I feel like there's not like the best information out there unless you live through the experience yep. and can understand like all the unexpected costs that come with having a child. Yeah. So we want to know, so you fell pregnant in Bali, mm-hmm. but what was like the financial mindset? Did you feel like you were okay financially to support a child? To be honest, I think I was incredibly naive about the whole thing. I was petrified, but I was so overwhelmed with what I was grappling with that I knew all the areas where I thought it would be hard, but I was just in such a spin in my mind that I couldn't quite understand what I'd be stepping into. So there's two things. In so many ways, I am so grateful that I'm self-employed and I was from the get-go because obviously if you're a solo mum going into that experience, there are a lot of restrictions as to how you can choose to parent. I was, I guess, gifted the ability to stay at home and work. Of course, that's incredibly challenging as well, but The other thing being self-employed is it means your income can change and clients can drop. And so there's no stability or security, which you might have with a regular job. Mm. So there was always that in my mind that I was like, I know I can always have an income. I know it's possible. But when I'm mothering and I'm deep in the depths of motherhood, am I easily going to be able to go and get new work or deal with certain things? So... I would say I was just naive and I didn't really contemplate all of that stuff until I was actually living it. If you don't mind answering, and we're happy to veto this question if not, but do you remember how much money you had, you know, roughly when you found out you were pregnant? And was there a question of like, holy shit, is this enough? So I don't remember the actual figures. Mm. I would say at the time, I was actually chatting with my girlfriend the other day. When I lived in Bali, I was earning very good money and I was just having a good time. So I was also spending the shit out of it because at the time I was like, I'm having a good time and I got this business to allow me to do this. So I'm just going to enjoy it. So I definitely did not have savings. 
Um, nothing that would go, oh, I'm stable and I'm secure. I can make this choice. It was definitely not that. Definitely, though, when I had made the choice that this is what I was going to do, I was like, okay, fuck, I have to go hard. I need clients now. I made the decision to not tell current clients that I was pregnant. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, it was quite funny. One of them was like a long-term client and I met up with him when Lenny was four months old. And I just (laughs) casually in conversation said like my son Lenny and he's like, what? What are you talking about? And I was like... Yeah, I've had a child. And he's like, are you actually kidding? Like, why? And I remember the last time I caught up with him when I was pregnant, I wore this sacky Shut up. And he didn't realise. He had no idea. (laughs) It's just bizarre. Bizarre. I guess to be fair... You're not allowed to ask people if they're pregnant. Like maybe you just thought. Uh And especially met. He's a guy. It's not okay. Um, And you just never know. So, and I made that choice not to tell people because I was petrified. I was obviously like, it's not a secure employed. They could say no at any time. And this particular client, they were two young guys. In my mind, I was like, they're going to hear you're a single mum. Like you're not going to be able to do your job. So yeah, I did rally very hard in the beginning to get new clients on board. And it's kind of funny. I do talk about the early days with Lenny as a newborn were very easy for me to work. And I have memories of one client even in particular was having some issues within the media and I will just never forget I had Lenny on my boob and I'm on the phone to media and my client and they had no idea but at that age it was doable it's only when he got older and he was not so silent and easy to settle on the boob that things became a lot trickier. You bring up like two really interesting elements in that conversation like that I'm thinking of the first being like if you work for a big corporation, in a lot of places now there's like maternity leave where yep. you get paid. So yep. it seems like instead of relying on the pay that comes through like later on and you know that you're going to have that and take time off and whatnot, like you really had to hustle at the beginning to make sure you'd kind of set yourself up. Yeah. And then the second element of not having a dual income and like I know someone who's pregnant at the moment, they're, they're talking about with their partner creating a little slush fund that she can use when the baby is born out of his salary because that's the way that their relationship dynamic is going to work. I think anything when I talk about single motherhood or solo motherhood because often people will be like, how on earth? And it's like when you are thrust in those circumstances, there's literally no other alternative. Yeah, There's no one else that's going to come and pick up the slack and save the day. So there's just you do head down, bum up, whatever that saying is. (laughs) There's no other alternative. So, yeah, I was working with a newborn baby. There was no time off. But at the same time, I think about a single or solo mum that doesn't have their own business, they're potentially having to rely on government support, which, yeah, does not allow them much. I don't know whether like to refer the podcast, but we have lots of conversations on our podcast. Please refer refer away. (laughs) So we have lots of conversations on our podcast. And one thing that is very apparent, I have not experienced it because I don't co-parent and I haven't had a separation with a child that's six months old. But a lot of the challenges that do present are related to finances. We sort of talked about this recently. It's like you put so much emphasis on I've got to have the cot, I've got to have, you know, all the planning on all of these things, which at the end of the day are quite insignificant and less emphasis on the conversations of saying, okay, you're going to take this time off. I'm going to support you Mm. for this time. They're like fundamental values as to how you're going to work. 
because all of a sudden you're six months in, your life is like flipped on its head. And if you haven't had those conversations as to how it's going to look, there can be a lot of resentment and frustration because you both had different ideas as to what that would look like. That's not something that I had to personally deal with. And like you said, I just had to get on with it. Were there any costs that come to mind that either, well, things that were way more expensive than you'd ever realised or things that you didn't expect to come up? So this is definitely something that I would always say is a a choice thing and something that I was really conscious on from the get-go is the way I chose to parent and the way I've decided to do things has meant that in the early days there were very minimal costs. Of course, you can buy beautiful, fancy things. There are you know, incredibly expensive baby products. Mm. But that was just something I knew from the get-go was just going to be not worthwhile for me, given the circumstances that I was in. And for me, I also, I co-slept. So I have, I still co-sleep. I've got an almost five-year-old that's in my bed. So there are definitely ways that you can do things that don't involve huge costs. I also breastfed for three years. So formula is quite expensive. I also did cloth nappies um, for some time. That also is a potential cost cut. It wasn't, I didn't do those things for cost cutting necessarily, but I do think there's this idea that things have to look and be done a certain way. And I think many mums are challenged with that and sort of doing what you think you're meant to. I'd say the early days, they are, that's when they're the cheapest, you know, when they start eating and you know, now Lenny's four and a half and I want him to do extracurricular things and mm. swimming lessons and jujitsu. And that's where I'm now going, okay, shit, like this is starting to, yeah, really add up. I heard a stat the other day that from a child being born to when they're 18, they can cost a million dollars. Goodness me. <laughs> that is not. Do you, like, if you had to put a, a guesstimate on it, which, I mean, I don't even know how much I would spend a week, but like how much do you reckon Lenny has cost you to date? Five years. I mean, what is included? Is it everything? Housing them, rent, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like, is well, it putting yes, a roof your over rent. their head? Like, I mean, maybe if it includes that, I honestly don't know. And again, I do think if you're sending your kid to childcare full time, like there's so many factors that, yes, that I could see how that could be a thing, but there's also plenty of people that don't have ginormous incomes that do things minimally and Mm. they're okay. So I was shocked. So we've been doing a bit of market research to this because Maddie and I are not planning pregnancies anytime (laughs) soon. So I've been doing market research with people that have had babies. And someone said to me that even before the child was born, they spent $25,000. And that's obviously in a very privileged position and going to particular doctors and buying particular things, which is what they budgeted for. And that's what they want for their life. And that's amazing that they can do that and it just shocked me because I mean even parts of that were and this is obviously in a private hospital or whatnot but with like obstetrician costs Mm -hmm. they were saying something like ten thousand dollars yeah and that just for someone that's not thinking about babies at all it just blew my mind because that would wipe my savings in a day to even just before having the baby yeah like I don't know. Do we have any transparency around how some of how much some of these things do cost when you're planning for a baby? Like, do you have any? I know that you're saying that everyone's situation is so different. So yeah. obviously, there's going to be ranges. But like, what are some of the key costs that come up come to mind when you think about planning to have a baby? I mean, I don't know how many people are planning. Obviously, I wasn't. But <laughs> I guess true. Maybe it's the wrong question to ask. No, but I, I hear what you're saying, and I think. 
Yeah, I guess if you're looking at obstetrician costs in private, yeah, you're going to be looking at those upfront costs to begin with. For many people, they go through the public system and that's not going to be the case. Like I said, if you're looking at expensive items, you could easily rack up 10 to 20K on expensive prams and cots and bassinets. Like it could very easily get there. Yeah. But for the average person or if you don't have that, you buy secondhand, you exchange, you swap, you buy off marketplace. There are, I think, so many ways of doing it to not be looking at that extremely high amount because at the end of the day, they don't need it. Like when they're babies, they just need mum and dad or mum or just dad. They don't need all of the stuff. It's, I think, refreshing and also calming to hear because in some of the conversations we've been having or the things that I've been reading, it's made me feel pretty overwhelmed and stressed, to be honest. I mean, yeah, like we spoke at the start of this series and my savings aren't in a great place right now. And it just really got me thinking like how, you know, in a few years' time, it's like, yeah, I've got some time now to build that back up and, you know, I guess reassess my financial situation. But for it all to go out the door again with 25 grand of, you know, obstetrician costs and a new cart and all of that kind of thing is, it's scary. Well, something that I always really loved to look at in those early days is some of these I think problems are such like western ideas you imagine families in Africa or even in particular when I lived in Bali it's like just a privilege that we have a spare room for a nursery like in many countries they don't have that they're on a mattress on the floor as a family so all of these perceived things that we have to it's just a privilege that we have that we have those spaces that we can fill expensive things in a baby nursery they're not a need. They're not a necessity. It's just a luxury that if you have and you want to do that, great. Do they need it? Absolutely not. The fact that we're so exposed to social media yep. these days that a theme of comparison has come through in every single episode. You know, whether you're comparing your career to someone on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. whether you're comparing your wedding on Instagram, yep. or whether you're comparing your baby nursery on Pinterest. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just because we have so much information, we feel like we need to spend this money. And I think that's where a lot of stress comes sometimes from 100%. the younger generation because we want to keep up. Yep. And if you're not doing it the same way as your peers or your friends or whatever else is, it might make you feel like, not that you're not enough, but like it just makes you feel a little bit left behind. A hundred percent. And I think in parenting, like comparison and worrying if you're doing a good job is, gosh, even more extreme than in any other thing in my life where you're comparing. Because of course, everyone wants to be the best parent for their child. But if having the most, if you think that having the most beautiful nursery is going to be what makes your child happy and content and fulfilled... I mean, I'm not an expert, but I can tell you right now, my son's never had those things. And I know so many families that have chosen to live more minimally so that they can be around their children more or whatever. And I don't think they're the metrics that we should be looking at to determine whether you're fit to be a parent or whether you're going to be a good parent or whether you're going to stuff it up if you don't have all of those things or spend tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. I think maybe in that, some one thing that people potentially aren't too transparent about, which is kind of similar to the wedding vein, is that often people will get support from mm-hmm. whether it be family, friends, randoms, whoever. Yeah. And sometimes it'll be monetary support or sometimes it'll be non-monetary support that just assists you to live your life. Yeah. Have you had experiences with like leaning on other people? 
100%. I talk about one of my best friends has, I guess I would even say like sacrificed, not years of her life, but I have had moments where I have been incredibly challenged financially. There was one time where she came and lived, she moved in with me in Melbourne and was helping pay rent. But, you know, Lenny at the time was incredibly little. He was still waking up in the night, waking up at 5am. He was, you know, it would have been a lot for her to take on. And then she moved to the Northern Rivers and I didn't follow her, but, (laughs) you know, I trailed her, baby. Um, and again, I lived with her in her house. Now he was a little bit older then, so it was less, you know, waking up in the night and really impacting in that way. But she made huge sacrifices to be able to support me. My family live interstate, so I haven't, I guess, necessarily been able to lean on them. But I have had people show up for me for sure. I guess in terms of financially, uh, she would be the one that well, she hasn't sort of handed cash over. She's definitely supported me in being able to live a little bit easier. Gosh, it's just so nice to hear stories like that, that, you know, maybe a bit less unconventional. You feel like we need to, you know, have a perfect looking family and yeah. do all the things sort of traditionally or by the book. And I just think more and more I would love for our world to like shift back to that community yeah. and like tribe mentality Mm -hmm. where it's like we all just help each other a bit more and we're all there for each other a bit more. I reckon you'll find the general consensus when particularly women become mothers, the first thing we'll always say is like, where is this village that they talk about? Yes. Yes. Takes a village. It, you know, you think about how they used to raise children and, you know, even if you do have a partner and family around, it probably still isn't enough. Like it is such a big job. And especially now when, You know, women are probably working full time and it's so big. So 100%. And I do think when you're in circumstances like mine, you do actually have to get quite creative. Yeah. Um, I currently have an au pair living with me. We recently interviewed someone who created a momune. So she moved in with another single mum and they help each other. They share resources. And, you know, she did a TikTok that went absolutely viral. She was sick and she was saying, you know, I've got all of these women that are helping me and all these women were writing, I'm in a partnership and I don't even get that. But it just shows the desperate need that we have for community and support. And I think many people are lacking that. I do think you have to get creative. I would love to delve into that a little bit more because when I've been binge listening to all of your podcasts, I know that you've sort of done various things over the years you touched on one story then about your friend moving in with you, but would you mind sharing some of the different ways, I guess, over the years that you've either made more money or been able to save money? Gosh. Uh, so my <laughs> background, <laughs> my um, my business is in marketing. So the amount of people I've offered an exchange of services mm-hmm. for something, I've asked for childcare in exchange of marketing services, you name it, I've tried to, you know, exchange. I think exchanging is huge. Is that ever a, like, weird or awkward conversation to bring up? Like I said, I think when you have no other choice, like I in the past have always been firmly independent in that asking for help is like the worst thing I could possibly do. Landing in these circumstances has been incredibly humbling where Mm -hmm. I've had to be like, I actually unless I want to be drowning and don't want to show up in the best possible way for my child, I actually need fucking help. (laughs) And if it feels uncomfortable saying, can I exchange, like, whatever. Like, I'm at that point now where I'm like, 
someone can say no, someone can say it doesn't work for me and I don't care. I have to try. So I did that a lot. I also did lots of exchanges with other single mum friends. So we would do swaps. I would have her son for a few hours one day, she would have mine and we'd have both kids. That was really helpful in the early days. I did have an au pair for a month when I was living in the Northern Rivers. You're like, I need to make a Bible for yeah. like all the women out there. It's like, this is what you can do. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had a funny conversation with a girlfriend. She was in a really shitty financial position the end of last year and I said you know like what are you doing and she was like I've just spent an hour looking around my house finding everything that I can palm off on marketplace and I laughed so hard because I'm like I've fucking done that before yeah you know so um bloody challenging that's for sure So we have been chatting to Rachel about how she doesn't have a whole lot of savings in her bank account. And I find it really great to, I guess, just normalise that. 100% like we've been talking about it. We have no savings at the moment and we need to start building it up. And to do that, what I'm finding super helpful is Up's Save Up 1000 feature. I have started using this because you really got me onto it and I love it. It's like a little game. It's so fun. So let me explain it to you. It's like a bingo card. So it comes up each week and you pick which number you want to contribute to your savings account. So some weeks, if you're feeling like it's a bit closer to payday, you can do more. And other weeks, if you're feeling tight, you can do a bit less. And it just keeps you accountable to save up that $1,000 over that time period that you are setting for yourself. So join us along with 750,000 other young Australians using Up, a digital bank which is making dealing with money easy for our generation and giving us the tools to get what we want in life. And if you download the Up app and sign up with the code YIGC, they will deposit $10 into your bank account. You're welcome. Easy money. T's and C's apply. Find them at up.com.au forward slash terms. It sounds like you have a little bit of a community of single mums. Mm-hmm. Is the conversation around money quite transparent amongst you? Like even the 100%. fact that you're, you said your friend was really struggling financially, I feel like that's not necessarily something that we hear that much about from our friends. 100%. And I have spoken a little bit about my fi- – and I'm like, since when is it a cool, comfy thing to talk about you struggling financially? <laughs> but I do do it because these – these conversations with other single mums, I mean, amazing if you're killing it on a, on a sole income, that's amazing. But the reality is that it's incredibly challenging. And I have always earned a good income, but I recognise that for the life that I want to live, it's actually not good enough, essentially, for having a child on my own and doing it the way I want to do it. So 100%, the conversations with single mums is incredibly transparent And also the way in which we show up for each other is I have incredible friends that aren't single mums, but there have been many times where I have wired single mums cash when I have a little bit extra and vice versa. And I think I would find it a lot harder to ask for that for another friend. But I think when you know the depths of the challenges that each other are in, you're like, okay, fuck, I've got a bit extra, like go. Mm. Because I know... I know it's not coming from anywhere else for them. So I think 100% it changes the conversations. Have you, and again, feel free not to answer this, but have you, do you have a point in mind or have you ever, can you remember a time where you were like in that position where you were like, I'm pretty screwed here? Yeah. So I think I was in Byron at the time and I think I lost a client. I lost a big client. I've always been good for the basics. So like rent, bills, just like the basics of survival. 
But I remember this one particular week, it was like literally scrimping for food. And it sounds, you know, so messed up. And it's really funny when you're a single person on your own. I used to be like that in my 20s all the time, you know, like waiting for payday and you'd be like, shit, I'm gone, you know. Right now. I'm rice. gone the bare minimum. Rice. I got paid yesterday. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank God. Or like, I remember when I worked in the city and it was like the trendy, there was like food and toast. And sometimes I would literally go into work so that I could eat a bit of toast. Oh, like, yeah. Done ridiculous. <laughs> but when you're on your own, it is fine. You figure it out. When you have a child that it's a horrible, horrible feeling. And especially now, like, you know, there's been times where, and I've had friends who have said this too, where your kids are like, I'm hung, like, where's all the mm. things? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, there's definitely been times, and it, it was that time in particular where I was like, I actually need to pay for food for my child. Is that, when, so, you, is that when you called your friend and yeah. you were like, I need you to come? Yeah. Wow, what an incredible friend. Yeah. Amazing. How are you feeling now financially? It's really interesting that I'm in this space now. I actually had a client drop two days ago, which I haven't had happen in a couple of years. So... I'm not stressed, but it is just something to say for when you are self-employed, that lack of stability can be a bit unnerving and overwhelming. It means that I will be feeling a little bit tight and stressed for the next few weeks. Lenny's at an age now where he's at kinder a couple of days a week. So I do have some time and space to invest in getting another client or figuring it out. So I'm I'm not stressed about that, but there is just something to say for not just knowing that every month on that particular day, you've got X amount of dollars coming into your bank account. It's just this constant, will I be okay? Will this stick? Well, this podcast will be coming out in five days. So if anyone is listening and needs some marketing help, (laughs) hit up right. (laughs) You... um you said previously or before in, at the beginning of the interview, you said you live paycheck to paycheck. Do yep. you have like savings that you ever rely on no. or it's literally paycheck literally. to paycheck? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And look, I mean, anyone that's like analytical or money co- could hear that and be like, what are you doing? Like that is so not smart. And I fully get that. I guess, you know, I pay quite a lot for my rent. You know, I kind of laugh when real estate agents are like, it should be 30% of your income because I'm like, (laughs) yeah, no. Um, (laughs) One thing that I really realised through my experience is I'm at home all the time. So if I was going to work Monday to Friday for eight hours a day, it probably wouldn't really matter where I live. I'm at home all the time. I'm parenting 24-7 and working 24-7, my lifestyle is incredibly important to me and my mental health. And that's something that I realise quite quickly. So I do stretch myself pretty hard on certain things that, yeah, maybe if you were a bit more financially smart, you wouldn't make those choices. But I've always just thought this is the season of life that I'm in and I want to be happy and I want to feel fulfilled and where I live in the lifestyle that I have brings so much joy to my life and it's close to my community, which is super important. And so, yeah, I've made that choice that it's not something that I prioritise and I believe that one day it will be, but for now, I don't want to use the word surviving because I feel like I'm a little bit outside of that space now, but there's an element to being like, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other right now and i that time will have to come. Do you have a view to the future? Like is there sort of year, multiple year planning around your life, Lenny's life that you are saving up for or 
is that just something that you're not thinking about at the moment? Again, maybe this is incredibly naive. In some ways, yes. Yeah. Um, one thing that I have learnt very quickly with my circumstances is that things change really quickly. So Lenny will be school age next year. Now, the schooling that I want Lenny to go to is unfortunately, it's not public. It's So it will be expensive. It will be a private school type of education. The one that I have looked at is $350 a week. Now, for some people that might be insignificant. For me, that's obviously a lot of money. It's huge. In my vision, I'm saying, well, thank goodness he's not at school this year because I wouldn't have been able to afford it. But that is sort of the vision and the planning in my mind that I'm now going, if that's something that I want him to do, then I need to go hard and make a lot of changes now. But again, it's not to have savings in my bank account. Mm. It's so that I can send him to this particular place. That's one um, stat that I read. I mean, lol, I was doing so much market research because I was like, I don't know anything about babies. <laughs> but it was saying that one of the most ex- unexpected costs, like, I don't know, 54% or something, I can't remember the stat, was saying that education was one of the most unexpected costs because I think people have an idea in their mind of, like, where they want to send their kids to school and then yep. they realise, like... It changes. It changes and yep. it probably increases a lot every year and then you have to think about sustaining that for multiple children if you want to have multiple children. Yep. Maybe it's unfair for one of them to go to one school and another to go to another. Yep. And so it was just interesting to read about how, you know, you think education would be such an obvious one. It's yep. like, duh, the kid's got to go to school. But, yep. like, it's actually a massive cost that's unexpected. Totally. And, I mean, the way I have ended up parenting was definitely not what I thought I would be like. Like I had a very particular idea of what I would be like when I was pregnant and then he came along and I was like, oh shit, I want to do things differently now. And yeah, schooling is one of them. I never would have thought schooling, I would have cared. I didn't really care about school. So I just, of course I'd send him to a public school and just my personal preferences have led to me wanting him to have a different education. And it's not to say, look, if I'm not in that financial position next year, like I also have recognised that I do the absolute best that I can. And that's my goal and that's what I'm working towards. But if that's not what happens next year, I'm also not going to kick myself. The The funny thing is about uh, during COVID, I decided to take on a full-time role with a tech company. Um, The lure was the income. It was, you know, for me, a really high six-figure salary. And I thought this is going to solve all of my problems. Like this is going to solve everything. Six figures is huge, Mm. like huge. So I thought like, yeah, this is going to solve all my problems. And what I realised was, again, because of how I wanted to do things, I had a nanny, um, I had to get didn't have to get, but I got a house so that, you know, I had an office, a dedicated office space. The cost and the expenses of everything that came with being able to work to do that job, I have the same take-home money after expenses now when I work like quarter less, even probably less than that, and I get to be around Lenny all the time. So, I think just recognising that there's going to be costs and sacrifices on both sides. I'm really glad I trialled that. But in my mind, I thought that was my ticket to savings. I thought that was my ticket to having more things and doing more things. And it turned out it was, you know, for me, a lot more mentally challenging. You know, nanny cancels one day, you're fucking juggling for 24 hours to find something. Like it was incredibly stressful. 
it's definitely been a lot of cutting myself some slack and being like, I should have savings. I should have that security blanket in my situation. But right now I'm just doing the best I can. And Mm. that's where we're at. My first job out of uni was doing car loans, like assessing car loans. And I was very fortunate throughout uni, or yeah, to be living at home. And so, and I worked a lot. So all the money I had, I built up a really nice savings balance. And I remember being shocked when you apply for a car loan, which we would assess, I would see people declare how much money they had in savings. And most people had less than $1,000. And I remember at the time being like, what on earth? Mm. And I think only now, you know, I had a bit of a crash with my mum last night and I was like, I feel like I'm 27, I'm about to be 28 and I can't even support myself. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, we've been living in this fantasy world. Like you think, and I only say that because so often I think we have these expectations of ourselves and of what our bank account and what our savings balance is going to look like. And the reality is that most people are just living paycheck to paycheck and aren't fortunate enough or aren't, you know, in that situation where they've got thousands and thousands of dollars in their bank account. And one thing that, like, I've not always been great with money. So this isn't even just a since becoming a single mum thing. Uh, Money has always been fast to go out. You know, I've always had a very she'll be right sort of attitude and I'll, <laughs> I'll find it again. And yeah. in many ways, I'm kind of glad I have that mentality because somehow it does make its way back <laughs> well, to me. you in good stead for now, for the, this era of your yeah, life. Yeah, <laughs> but I kind of joke that I'm like, oh, you know how there's that meme where it's like if someone was looking at your bank account and they'd be like, what is she doing? <laughs> like, stop it. Yeah, and I get it. And I think there are so many people that don't have shit tons of savings. One thing that I did have to really do is... I don't have credit cards. I do know single mums that have debt as well as the struggles with their situation. And I think I would be very stressed. So yes, I live paycheck to paycheck, but I don't have, you know, what can feel like a noose around your neck if you have those things coming out. So that's been a really conscious choice of going, I know what I'm like when those things are around. I'm already, I cannot allow that to be something that I rely on because I don't have a healthy relationship with them so we say that like some people can have credit cards and some people can't like I honestly had this conversation with my partner last night I was saying like talking about canceling the credit card and he was like oh no but it's so good you get points blah blah blah. and I'm like but you pay it off perfectly and your mentality is it's not your money whereas when I have one I'm like it's my cash it's not my cash it's someone else's and then I you know struggle every paycheck I'm like I have to pay this bloody thing off and like so I'm like I think there's two types of people some people can do it they're diligent amazing use that for points like do it amazing (laughs) me nah it's got to go it's not in my vocabulary to have a credit card (laughs) yeah One final thing I do want to touch on, and you did sort of talk about this before, but I'd like to emphasize the point around when you had your full-time job. Yeah. I think it's a really common experience for a lot of women when they do have a baby around wanting to go back to work, but then all their income going straight to childcare. Yeah. And I just wondered, you know, in the conversations that you've had in the podcast, like the question I'm asking is other than just to say it sucks that you know, so much of going back to work is around regaining independence and mm-hmm. living a more, you know, so-called normal life again. And yet if you can't even cover the cost of childcare or, you know, you're having to work your ass off just to get out for the day, it's like, yeah, how, what, what for? You know, yeah, exactly. 
Look, it's it's obviously personal choice. This is what I mean. When I fell pregnant, I thought that would be me. I thought I'd want to go straight back into work and say, see you later to Lenny and go off and go back to me. And what really shocked me was I was like, no, I actually wish, I wish I didn't have the business that I could say goodbye and just be mum for a while. And to be honest, when I think about the next time that I do it, hopefully with a loving partner. <laughs> and I kind of joke, I'm like, is this an unnecessary expectation when I meet someone to be like, I don't want to work for two years, so you're going to have to <laughs> yeah. like cover me. Yeah. But I so desperately just wanted to be thrust into motherhood. And I do think, again, it is a choice. And I think lots of women feel like they also have to go back to work, that you are more, that being a mum isn't enough. And I think sometimes we can feel this expectation I totally appreciate that financially, sometimes you actually legitimately have to. But I do also think some women feel like to be valued in society that you have to go back to work. Mm. So true. And that was something that I never grappled with. I, I couldn't think of anything bigger than being a mum and raising the next generation. Like yeah. there's nothing bigger than that to me. And I had a really curious message pop up recently where I think I posted, you know, I'm like so grateful that I get to be with Lenny all the time. And this person wrote back and said, you're just really lucky. Like you're really lucky that you get to do that. And I know this particular person and I know, you know, they built their dream house in the dream location and not saying this is everyone's experience, but I'm sure there's an element of having to go back to work to match that mortgage and to pay for that life. And I have made choices that are not having savings, that aren't building dream homes or saving for a home. Like I've put buying a home completely out of my, it's not even a thought process for me. I think having a clear understanding of what your values are and following them, making sure they are yours and not everyone else's, Mm. because I would say I'm not lucky. (laughs) It's been very hard to continue with those choices when there's so many times where I've wanted to be like fuck like I wish I could just send him off go get this job and make all this it's just not been the case it's been a very conscious and challenging choice as opposed to luck I feel like we could speak to you all day (laughs) about these topics because they are really important I think being a female there's so many nuances to these conversations as well you know even speaking about us going back to work it's like well you know can the partner be the stay-at-home yeah. parent? And I think as well, as Maddie said at the very beginning, like as we approach like this weird age of 30 with like mm-hmm. societal expectations, it's something I feel like we are thinking about a lot more, you know, yeah. maybe than like males that are our age as well. So mm. yeah. that's a massive generalisation. <laughs> but I think it's just, you know, a part totally. of our psyche at the moment. This has been an incredible conversation. I want to thank you so much for coming on to talk about how much it costs to have a baby. <laughs> I have one more question. Go, 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 go. <laughs> I hope this isn't a cliche, but if people are listening now and they have friends who are single mums, yep. are there any things that people have done for you that have just made a big difference or have, yep. I guess, yeah, have, have been really helpful? I think the biggest ones, gosh, if you got the financial means and can financially support, I I don't think that's a reality for many, but such simple things, cook a meal, leave it for them. I've had many times where friends, I've caught up with friends after some time and 
I've completely broken down in their presence and they're like, oh my goodness. They're like, all we see is this incredibly strong fucking superwoman. So I just forget that like in the background, you are just like sprinting through muddy water. I don't even know what the fuck that saying is. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, they're like, I completely forgot that there you are at home doing this all on your own, working. Like I just forgot and I didn't even realise. So I think the first thing would be to check in all the time. I think often for me, when you're doing life in isolation, it is incredibly lonely. Mm-hmm. And not only having financial support, but the emotional support of someone going, shit, how was your day? Oh my gosh, that sounds nuts. Like, so checking in and then, yeah, 100% showing up, showing up with a meal. And there'll be times where they'll say, no, I don't need help, do it anyway. And don't give them the choice. That was one thing that I learned recently. I reached out to a community member who was leaving domestic violence and I said, I'm bringing something, here's your two options. Like there's no choice in this, I'm doing it. And I think so often, you know, you imagine if you say, do you need help? Yeah. It's going to be a very... Or can I cook a meal for you? As if you're going to say, yes, please. I would love, um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to list off all the things (laughs) I love a green Thai curry. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just not, you know, not many people are going to say that. So you say, this is what I'm doing. You tell me what night works for you here are two choices and this is what I'm doing and you know I've often said something that I've learned lately is friends have had to show up a lot for me over the years now I'm in a position where I feel like I can really give to others there was a, a time and a season where I obviously did not have anything and I say to people now you know, it's not taking away from me. Actually, give me the gift of being able to help and support you too. Mm. Because I do, I have friends that have, you know, multiple kids, partners, family, and they're struggling. And I'm like, let me help you. You don't have to worry. But I think, yeah, not giving them a choice is big. And for some people, it's different. I think also just having really frank conversations. I think because people knew I was parenting solo, people always offered to take Lenny off me and they'd say I'll have him what I tried to explain to people is my biggest challenges for many years and it feels less so now but loneliness and isolation were the biggest challenges that I ever had and so I would actually say I don't want you to take Lenny I just want you to hang out with me yeah (laughs) so I think sometimes not assuming what you think that person needs and just having those frank conversations I feel like this conversation has been eye-opening and I think it'll be (laughs) beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. So thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. (laughs) Sorry for the saga. We appreciate the three hours you've given us. It should (laughs) usually be 45 minutes. Hopefully we'll get you a client out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Give a plug. Where can people find you if they want to find you? Um, I don't have a business page anymore, so it'd just be my personal Instagram, Rachel.Maximovic. <laughs> we'll put it. it in the show notes. <laughs> and go and listen to Rachel's podcast as well, Mothering on My Own. Thanks so much, Rach. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so that wraps up another episode of our Taboo Money series, but that does not mean that the conversation needs to stop here. No, I feel like we need a lot more perspectives on this one because we're not baby people, but like how? Baby people? <laughs> well, we will be maybe one day. We're not, not mums today. right now. <laughs> but you know, how much has it cost you to have a baby if you, you know, have gone through that experience? What have been some of the things that took you by surprise that maybe you didn't expect would be so much money? And any advice for anyone that's planning? What should we be planning for? I would also love to hear if there are things that have been really worthwhile investing in versus things that maybe you could have bypassed. Shoot us an email to yigc at equitymates.com or DM us on YGC podcast. 
And we will be collating your thoughts anonymously, of course, in our brand new weekly newsletter. It's actually not really that new anymore, I guess. It's We've growing. Been doing it for a few weeks now. I know, and I'm loving it. And whilst you're on your phone, why not download Australia's highest rated banking app? This episode was brought to you by UP, the bank making dealing with money easy for our generation. And if you download and sign up using the code YIGC, they are going to deposit $10 into your bank account. Easy money. T's and C's apply. Find them at up.com.au forward slash terms. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.